0: Have a nice day. Shay, I'm in the AM. My thanks are my Goldwasser, of course. Wednesday morning broadcast. With all the conversations we've had about uh, COVID-19 on these airwaves, and we've had many. In fact, later on, we have a conversation in the 8 o'clock hour about the vaccine. Uh, but with all the conversations we've had, it's amazing that we've never addressed the genetic component to COVID-19. And I say this as bleein hurrah, bleein hurrah we have been, meaning the seagulls, have been in many, many COVID-19 compromising situations, especially back in March and April of 2020. And thank God, Blyai Hura, none of us were affected, and we don't stop thanking God for that. And then I remember a relative of mine who said, um, you know, I, I had no symptoms or anything. I went to the doctor, and all of a sudden I had antibodies. And we're saying, I wonder why certain people you know, are getting this disease, that he had antibodies, obviously he had the disease, and suffering none at all, nothing. And some people, of course, we know just how much they suffered and how difficult their end was. Well, with us live via telephone, somebody who might be able to provide some answers to all of this, Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld is with us. He's manager of biomedical informatics shared resource and assistant professor for the Center for Symptoms and Computational Biology at the Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey. Uh, they're working on a study, he and his team, to determine whether genetic testing results from Gift of Life are able to help predict COVID susceptibility and symptoms. Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to speak to you.
1: Uh, I, so can- I bring a reg- guard from Jay Feinberg of Gift of Life. He's <laughs> spoken to you
0: Quite a few times. I thank you very, very much. He's an amazing person and has changed the world and has really saved many, many lives, as we know. Um, yes. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you heard my opening, and uh, yes. I, I, I don't, um, I don't take it lightly that thank God, Balei Ein Hara, God has been very good uh, to me and my immediate family. But it is fascinating. I mean, I could tell you at least five stories of being in situations. Obviously, I didn't realize it at the time where uh, I was right next to, being spoken to, um, in contact with people who not only had COVID, but people who passed away from COVID. And thank God, you know, my kids joke, oh, you know, it's it's not in our genes. We're immune. We're naturally immune. So we, we of course, you know, say this is a joke in our house. And you heard the story about my relative that, uh, you know, all of a sudden just discovered he has antibodies, never suffered any symptoms. So now I ask you, before we talk about the gift of life and the study you're doing, I ask you, is there anything to this? Is it possible that a significant part of the globe's population is simply immune or, or, or has the ability to completely fight off COVID-19? I
1: mean, there definitely are people who have
0: a lower susceptibility. It came out probably
1: about a year ago that people with type O blood have lower sensitivity. It's known for a lot of diseases. Yeah, you know, people we you know for HIV, there are some people who can't get HIV.
0: On the on, on the on the O blood type, I mean, the, in yes. other in other words, there are people with O blood type that have had COVID. But but what you're, yes. you're saying is the percentages are: if you have O, you are less susceptible to getting it.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of other markers we've looked at in the genome, and we're trying to see if the gift of life
0: stuff helps. There's... It, is there so any, definitely something happens? Is there anything? The is there anything else that a lay person like? See, when you say if you if you have if you have blood type O, you're less susceptible. Okay, I I get what that means. Are there any other generalities that a guy like me would understand? Or once we start exploring this, you're getting into really detailed stuff regarding genetics. I mean, there's no,
1: there's nothing else that's popped out that's really clear. But it definitely happens. You have a family where everyone's sick except for the mother. Right. Right. So there's there's definitely something going on, and there's a lot of scientists out there trying to figure this out.
0: And your point being, in that case, you examine the mother, she has O, a blood blood type O.
1: She might. I'm saying the right. blood type definitely right. has a lower susceptibility, but we're still not, you're still not out in the clear. You know, my kid heard he had O blood type, oh, I can not wear a mask. Right. Back here, that's not what it means. It means that this is all a statistical scientific argument, not Clear, which is hard to explain to a lot
0: of people. All right, I hear that. You're not recommending people don't wear a mask if they think that they are not susceptible. Dr. Jeffrey Roosevelt's with us. All right, so you introduced yourselves to, yourself to us last week that you're doing a study trying to determine whether genetic testing results from gift of life. I remind everybody that gift of life, which is out there, you know, again, saving lives and creating a, a bank of potential donors... Um, uh, literally, you know, the way they do that is by swabbing. And we always talk about, you know, go and get swabbed. Gift of life has made a a point of getting to as many communities as possible to get as many people as possible into that, uh, into that bank of people. So now you're saying that with the test results from gift of life, the genetic test results, you might be able to predict this susceptibility and the, whether someone, um, is likely to get symptoms from COVID-19.
1: So we're not at that level of saying with a particular. Per- we're trying to figure out. So gift of life tests what are called HLA markers. It's what makes you you. Your DNA, and that's why it's needed for transplants. The idea is part of what makes person themselves genetically in their blood cells. That could be part of the explanation for why people would
0: or would not get COVID. The gift of life. So we're try- the gift of life registry is how large. They have a few hundred thousand people, depending and, on how you count it, and and you have already, or you can examine how many of those profiles.
1: We can examine any of them. We're trying to get people to sign up for our survey so we can have their COVID information linked up with uh, the genetic
0: data. So you'd like, in other words, to so the ideal, and if I, you know, tell me if I am understanding this right, the ideal is you want someone who's been uh, affected by COVID to get swabbed and join that registry. Would that be the way of putting it?
1: No, we want people, people who are already in Gift of Life, our 400,000 people, a large percentage of whom are your listeners, right. want them to go to join our studies, go to giftoflife.org slash COVID study, fill out a five-minute survey, and then we can look at their COVID, whether they've had COVID or not. And we, keep, we ask, you know, did you have COVID? Did family members have COVID? How many people do you live with? How bad was your COVID? And then we link that up with the genetics to try and figure out
0: what genetic markers
1: help determine covid susceptibility and severity
0: all right so anybody who's ever right ever would be the right word yes. anybody who's yes. ever participated in a gift of life swabbing anybody ever listen carefully audience members because we need you for this anybody who's ever participated in a participated in a gift of life swabbing and that is the cheek swab correct Yes. If you've participated, and you've had your cheek swabbed, and now you assume, based on that, that you are a member of the Gift of Life Registry. If that's the case, there is a web page you must go to, and that is Gift of slash COVID study. Correct? That's the right address. Yes. Gift yes. of Gift of Life. The reason I say it is because I'm on the page, but the you know the URL changes at the top. Gift of Life dot org. Slash COVID study, gift of slash COVID study. They're gonna ask you for your name, for your birth date, for contact information, and they will uh I assume what be in touch or send additional surveys. What's how's it gonna work?
1: That you go to that webpage and they'll automatically send you a custom link nice with your information to make sure that people are who they say they are. Got it. And not confusing. Got it. Right. Uh, and the the important thing is that this is whether you have or have not had COVID. Right. We want, we want to know. Right.
0: Don't listen to what I said earlier, folks. It's anybody out there, whether you have had COVID or whether you have not had COVID, no matter what your COVID situation is, Gift of Life needs you if you've been swabbed at some point over the last many years. Gift of Life needs you to go to giftoflife.org slash COVID study, giftoflife.org slash COVID study, fill out the form, and by filling out that form with your information uh, Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld and his team will be able to explore all of these issues further. Um, how long has this been going on, this study?
1: We've been doing it for a few months. We have over 8,000 people who responded, which is an incredible number. But there's still another few hundred thousand people who've been throbbing gift of life.
0: Yeah, I hear that. The
1: important thing is that right, for transplant, they stop when someone is around 40. Yeah. But here, for us, it doesn't matter if someone's 80 or 90 and... They were. They got swabbed 30 years ago. We still want them.
0: Right. So literally, anybody who's in that registry. When does when does a study become a study? You just said 8,000. When when do when do results of your research get published? When you hit a tipping point of of how many? And I know that you know every case is different. But can you give us a general idea about how this works? How how lab work then turns into you know a published study?
1: So when you've reached a certain level of re- a result that makes sense, for ours, because we're looking at the HLA markers, there are tons of possibilities in people, we need a very large sample size. Mm. Like for a lot of studies I do, 9,000 or 10,000 is incredible. For this, we'd ideally want 15,000. Right. So for some studies, 10 people is good. It's it's Once you've found something that you understand well enough and you think is replicating, can be replicated, that's when you publish it.
0: Well, this is definitely attainable. I mean, you're at 8,000 already. You could Certainly, you know, I mean, we could certainly, as we continue to spread the word, especially in our community, we have a lot of people who are very active when asked to participate in things like this. So everybody out there, whether you've had COVID, not have COVID, whatever it was, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you've ever been swabbed, and if you are now therefore part of the Gift of Life Registry, Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld and his team, can't emphasize enough how your profile, how what you, how, 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 um, um, what we know about you scientifically can help determine and help find out key information regarding the COVID-19 disease. If you've ever been swabbed, if you're part of Gift of Life, go to giftoflife.org slash COVID study, giftoflife.org slash COVID study and participate and um, as this, as you heard, as this study grows larger and more and more people participate, uh, we get closer and closer to published results. And who knows what we'll learn from this? Um, I, I guess you, as a scientist, never have expectations about what you might learn from this, right? You never, you you you, you never say to yourself, uh, you know, I, I mean, do you say maybe you do? Do you say to yourself already at eight thousand people that you're leaning in a certain direction? Not asking you for results, but that things are leaning in a you know, to reveal a certain piece of information, or you would wait until the whole study's finished to even start that whole thing?
1: We'd wait until we... I mean, we've done some analysis just to get rough ideas, but as the numbers grow, things can totally change.
0: Is this going to help with other diseases? Obviously, you're doing this with COVID-19, but we've never made this plea on the air before. Can this help in, with research with other things, especially you say that, uh, I mean, we know that you're at the Rutgers Cancer Institute, and you know how anxious our community and every community is to get more and more... Uh, um, uh, help for people who, who um, you know suffer, especially from cancers that have no cure at this point. Uh, is it possible that this information is going to help?
1: This particular information won't, but there's a ton of genetic data out there and studies we're doing about cancer and other diseases. But the reason we thought this was interesting is for, for influenza, the, you know, the flu, there are people who are sensitive, people who are less sensitive. As I mentioned, HIV, there are people who are more and less sensitive. So there's something there in the DNA that Helps explain this. Not totally, as I said, but it's definitely a support.
0: So, I mean, not to get um, into an area that's probably unfair for me to ask you about, but it's possible then that with all the restrictions and with the globe shutting down for all these months, it's possible, and again, I know there's no scientific evidence, but I'm just conjecturing here, it is possible that those who are susceptible to this disease are going to get it one way or the other, right, especially if they're ever exposed to a situation where they can get it. And those who are, you know, who have a strong immune system against this disease, it's very possible no matter how much they would have interacted with people who have COVID and no matter how much they would have been in super spreader situations, they simply may never, ever get it. Would that be safe to say?
1: I wouldn't want to go that far. It's hard to make that statement unless you've taken someone really, really – you'll put them in a room full of COVID to test that. No one has or wants to do that test on people. But there are definitely, uh, what I'll say, there are definitely people who have a stronger sensitivity and people who have a weaker sensitivity. And also, the other thing which is interesting is why my kid gets a fever. You have to get other people who are sick in the hospital. You take two healthy 35-year-olds, and most of that, one is on oxygen, and the other one has a fever, doesn't even know anything happened to them. Right. That's what
0: we're interested in. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, all this that I just mentioned was because of a conversation I had the other day with someone who was conjecturing. You know, wouldn't it be unbelievable if we found out that that even if the world would never have shut down anything, we'd still have the same number of people who passed away and who had COVID? And I know you can't comment on that, but I'm just saying that, you know, as, as lay people, <laughs> we have the right and the tendency to, you know, to bounce these topics around. So Right. <laughs> so, yes. so there, I know there's no science behind it, but, boy, if in retrospect we find out that that was the case, and a lot of people have suffered for absolutely no reason, that's uh, to say the least. Uh, those of you out there who have ever, if you're just tuning in, listen carefully, those of you out there who are part of the Gift of Life registry, no matter how old or young you are, No matter how old or young you are, this is not a, a, as Dr. Roosevelt said, it's not a transplant situation. This is just an information situation. No matter how old or young you are, if you are part of Gift of Life, if you're in their registry, they need your help just to get basic information regarding you and COVID. Even if you never had COVID, if you never heard of COVID, they just want basic information about your experience uh, over the last 15 months so please go to gift if you've ever been swabbed and if you're part of the gift of life registry gift of life.org slash covid study gift of life.org slash covid study and by the way Dr. Roosevelt this is a good opportunity for us to plug that in general it's a good idea for people to go to that website and make arrangements to get swabbed wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, and we're also trying to use to, to get to grow. There's lots of people out there, and in fact, this year we're, ha- we're having a hard time. Most kids, people get recruited on college campuses,
0: right? People oh, suddenly
1: set up a table in the middle of the college, and now right. college is totally virtual. Right? We have a lot less people, so we're definitely looking for people to join. We're always looking for more people to be able to match for people who need transplants. And Gift of Life does tremendous work, helps hundreds or thousands of people a year, but there's always more people we could help as we grow our registry.
0: You know, we always laud the first responders and the people, the healthcare care workers on the front lines, and rightfully so. Of course we should laud them. Uh, but it's also nice to laud people like yourself who are in a lab all day and nonetheless still doing life-saving work. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Doc- to talk to you. Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld, Assistant Professor, Center for Systems and Computational Biology, Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey. He and I and Jay Feinberg and everybody at Gift of Life is encouraging anyone and everyone, no matter what your age, who has ever been swabbed and is now part of the Gift of Life registry, please go to giftoflife.org/COVIDstudy, giftoflife.org slash COVID study, giftoflife.org slash COVID study. And my thanks to Dr. Rosenfeld on this Wednesday morning at JM in the AM.